Rockville, Atlantic City. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, week 11 in the NFL is here. College football, we're coming down to the wire there. We got college basketball hopefully on the way. Some early lines to dive into. We got Mac football back tonight, tomorrow. A uh, busy college football slate. The early lines we'll take a look at. What are some of the things that stand out early in this week as this college football season has really just been a wild, wild uh, bunch of games, cancellations, more games postponed. That Miami-Georgia Tech game's been moving. We got Mississippi-Texas A&M. That game is being postponed. There's a game tonight that's postponed. So we will uh, take a look at the schedule and some of the things that stand out for this week 12 of the college season and also the NFL season. Jeff Nadu, BarstoolSports.com, the big man on campus. I know he's itching for the NBA draft and college basketball and college football weekend. So let's get into it with him now, right now, on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Jeff, welcome back, pal. How are you? I'm great, Mike. How are you? All is good, man. And, uh, man, this uh, college football season uh, is flying. We're at week number 12. we got about a month left to go in the season. And I know we got two weeks of action now, and I want to kind of get your overview. Um, very frustrating so far of what we've seen. I know a lot of people who have been betting these games have kind of been disenchanted with the MAC action so far. So uh, what are some of your observations uh, or thoughts on any of these Tuesday night, Wednesday night games that we're getting? Uh, well, I mean, I think it's pretty bad football, uh, to be really frank. Um, you know, I don't look at the Mac. I mean, it's not even something that I really enjoy much. Uh, it's just bad football. You know, the defenses suck. Um, you know, there's just tons of stuff that you really can't prepare for. Um, and it's the lowest level of football, in my opinion. I mean, there's just not a ton of great quarterbacks. It's it's a rough league. Um, I, I don't get much involved with it, uh, and when I do, it's 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 been minimal. So, uh, yeah, I, I I look to avoid the MAC. Um, the problem that betters have, and and one thing I think they love is that it's on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And most, you know, casual gamblers are 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 betting. They want to bet every night. You know, they want to just sit there and watch a game and have money on it, even though they don't have a legitimate reason to bet it. They just do it to do it. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm not a huge fan of Mac of football. Uh, I don't like the basketball league either, for that record. But yeah, I, I'm not interested. Right. So tonight you got the Tuesday, Wednesday stuff out on that. Thursday there's a Tulane, Tulsa, Utah State, Wyoming, and then Friday night we got a real stinker with Syracuse, Louisville, Minnesota, Purdue. Um, you know any of the stuff leading into the weekend jumping out at you early. Um, yeah, I think Tulsa Tulane's interesting. Um, yeah, Tulsa just continues to play really good football. Uh, that was a big win the other night against uh, Southern Methodist, the game they were down 21 nothing, and they came back and, and were able to get the job done. They were terrific defensively in the second half. Uh, Tulane coming off a tough, you know, kind of gritty game. They had to kind of shake out, but, you know, they had never any issue. But anytime you play Army, it, it's a tough game. Um, so I think they're going to be a team that, you know, maybe struggles a little bit here. Tulane in defense, it's not great. Uh, Tulsa at home here. Uh, you got to figure you're just going to kind of 
Burry, uh, Tulane, when Tulane has the football, Tulsa's a good defense. They can shut good offenses down. Uh, I might look to lean on Tulsa here to maybe cover the touchdown. But uh, you mentioned Syracuse-Louisville. Keep in mind um, some coronavirus issues for Louisville. Uh, they had um, one of their best players opt out recently. So, you know, there's some things you, know, you, you need to be looking at when, when you're looking. But, um, you know, Utah State is a really bad football team. They got to head to Laramie and play a Wyoming who's, who's looked solid. But, yeah, you mentioned it, not – a lot to really wet your whistle with this week. Uh, you know, I, I think, again, you know, do what you want on weekday games, but they're always very sharp line-wise. I know that uh, I see this game on Saturday just to get some early thoughts on East Carolina Temple. I know there are two teams that you typically have some good info on, opened up at two, already jumping up to four and a half some places uh, with Temple as a dog. Yeah, I mean, th- this actually has went all over the place. And, and the reason for it is um, Real Mitchell is going to be the quarterback for Temple this week. Uh, Russo has coronavirus. Um, and, you know, i, I got to be honest, Mike. Um, I continue to just be disgusted with the coach, Rod Carey. I mean, this guy just will not talk about anything. I mean, for all, all week last week, he told us that, you know, Anthony Russo's fine. You know, he'll be out there. He'll make the trip. He's practicing. And then – all of a sudden, Saturday comes, and an hour before the game, he all of a sudden doesn't make the trip. So, you know, when that happens and Real Mitchell plays, that's bad news if, if you're a Temple fan. Real Mitchell is not a Division One quarterback. Uh, look, the kid tries hard, but he's just not good. Uh, ECU should really be viewing this game as a winnable opportunity. They have plenty of weapons. Um, they're not a great team, but Mike Houston has them play hard, and it's going to be a tough atmosphere at the link on Saturday. No crowd with the coronavirus uh, sanctions. So, yeah, I, I, I would look towards ECU here. At three and a half, that takes you a pretty solid play. Tempo is really bad uh, without Russo. Uh, I got to get your take early in the week here. This BYU number is 47 and a half. I don't know that I've ever seen a line that big. Uh, 47 and a half BYU North Alabama. I mean, if you like to bet on BYU games, I know that you like typically uh, you like the quarterback there and you like to try to get involved with BYU. But man, at what point do you say I even at 47 and a half I got to lay off this thing? You know, I, I have bet bigger numbers before. Uh, five years ago, or so I bet Miami as a 48 and a half point on favorite against Savannah State, which. Um, you know, I remember that vividly. But, yeah, you don't see numbers this high. Uh, but, you know, that's how good BYU is. This is a, kind of a low part in the schedule. I talked before about BYU. Um, you just don't have a lot of games left that you can really kind of showcase your town. And, look, North Alabama is not going to move the, 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 the stakes either. Uh, North Alabama, though, I have to give it to them. They've actually played pretty hard. Um, you know, they, they were actually decent against Liberty, an undefeated team. Um, you know, they played Southern Miss tough, but, you know, this is a different kind of wavelength. Uh, you've got to think that Sataki's going to look to get plenty of time for his uh, backups in this game. Uh, but, you know, you look at them right now, Mike, uh, BYU needs style points. And I got to tell you, um, a 61 nothing win would look real good uh, in the committee's eyes. You look at Northern Alabama, their goal is to, you know, go out and make money. Um, that's why they take these games. Um, they never come in with the thought that they can win them. Uh, I, I would, I would frankly lay the points. I wouldn't be taking points here. Uh, Northern Alabama probably loses this game fifty-five nothing. That, that's where I'd put it. And if you can get BYU to score 
52, uh, you, you'll cover this game because I don't think Northern Alabama will score. All right, Jeff Nadu, Barstool Sports. I want to get one more college game. We do do the full college card on Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock, so make sure you check back for uh, a little bit more. Uh, but speaking of Northern Alabama, let's go to Alabama because Bama obviously is in the national championship picture. Kentucky's one of the worst teams in the country. you got a 31-point number, 30-and-a-half. Um, I know that's a big number, but, man, Kentucky's awful. Yeah, they've definitely struggled. Um, you know, frankly, I, w- I was a little blown away with how bad they looked defensively against Vandy. You know, Vandy continues to be a pretty interesting. Ken Seals, the quarterbacks, played well. They've been able to run the ball. You know, I'm not as down in, on Kentucky, Mike, as I think you seem to be. I, I don't think they're. I, I don't. I don't think they're like really horrible. Uh, I think they have some pieces. I thought they were solid against Tennessee. I thought they held in the game against Georgia. I'm not quite sure that I would lay 30 and a half points against Kentucky. Uh, I don't look at Kentucky as the bottom of the barrel in the SEC. I think they're competent. I think Terry Wilson is a decent player. Uh, he can move the ball. Um, and they have a good running back in Chris Rodriguez. So I, I would probably take the points if this is anything above 28. Uh, Alabama generally doesn't cover numbers like this. Uh, you really would probably want to more or less, if you like Alabama, maybe look to the first half or something like that. But, you know, frankly, I don't hate Kentucky the way you do, Mike. So I would, I would lean decent defense, I feel like. And if I had to, I would take the points. Well, maybe I'm just spewing a little hyperbole here. I mean, they're bad. They're not maybe as bad as yeah. I'm giving them credit for. But um, you see that kind of matchup there. Bama, as you mentioned, needs the style points as well. That's why you, in college, you're right. I mean, these teams, they got to win big. So you see mismatches like that, you think blowout. Is there another game on this college card early that you want to discuss before I throw a couple NFLers your way? Well, I obviously have had um, the Washington State Cougars on my mind. I've liked the way this team's played. I know they didn't get the job done on Saturday, but I thought they played pretty damn good against Oregon. They just kind of ran into, I thought, a better team. Stanford continues to deal with coronavirus issues. Their quarterback uh, has been out. Um, defensive players has been out. have been out. This, this, um, this Washington State team is solid, and, and they've done it first two games without their best running back. Uh, Max Borgie, uh, he should be back pretty soon. I'm going to be buying uh, Washington State here as an underdog. I'm not quite sure what uh, the oddsmakers are seeing. Uh, Stanford lost to a pretty bad Colorado team over the weekend. Um, defensively, I don't think Stanford's very good. I think this is probably a higher-scoring game as well, and I'll be having my eye on the over here. But if I can get Washington State as a favorite – or, sorry, as an underdog, I'll be buying. And I feel like – you're not going to get this number for much longer, so you might want to scoop this one up now. Um, Washington State is a really solid football team to me. All right, uh, make sure you follow at Jeff Nadu as uh, you can get some plays from him. Tweet back and forth, watch his videos, go to barstoolsports.com. He's got an entire college football, uh, excuse me, basketball play as we are about two weeks away now from the start of the college basketball season. I have two NFL games I want to get your thoughts on. We'll go deeper on our Saturday segment. One is Jacksonville plus 10 at home. They play tough last week against Green Bay. Everyone keeps waiting for the Steelers to have that moment. So at plus 10, is there something you like in this game? Well, I, I think um, I, I like the way you're thinking, Mike. I, I think you are going to have a game where the Steelers will slip up. And 
if if you were to ask me when that would be, I would probably say this week. Um, you know, this is a tough game. It is a road game. It's a big number, as you said, uh, and it's a Steeler team that you know this season. You know, has been good as a favorite, but they've only laid more than ten and a half points as a road favorite once, and they weren't able to cover. Um, you also look at over the last two seasons. Um, you know, they're not a road favorite very often. They haven't been in these roles. And, you know, the Jags fight. You, know, you got to give them that. I thought they were really solid the other night. I will say, though, keep in mind, they had a punt return for a touchdown, which, you know, you're probably not going to have this week. Uh, but Jake Luton, you know, you got to have him play better. He needs to kind of keep keep rolling. But James Robinson's been one of the better rookies uh, that no one talks about. I think they have a pretty solid receiving core. I kind of like the way you're thinking here. Uh, Steelers w- uh, will slip up soon. I expect them to be very publicly bet here. Um, you you already look at, I think, once this, you know, week goes on, you'll start seeing Steeler people come in. This will be a big teaser piece. Wouldn't surprise me if this is like 30 to 27. I mean, uh, I think the Steelers are probably going to have to fight to win this one, and uh, the Jags play tough. I'll give them that. All right, my other one that I want to get your opinion on, and again, Jeff and I on Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, we take a little deeper dive into some of these games. He does a little bit more. Remember, this is the early look at some of these things. If you want to jump on something early in the week before that line starts to move, and the Dolphins a favorite on the road at three. Denver is a home, tough team at home. They're such a hard team to read here, but are we trusting the Dolphins yet where they're a three-point road favorite at a place like Denver? I don't – I think Sharps are. If you look at the Sharp money coming in, Sharp betters are actually taking Miami. I think a lot of people are going to think kind of the whole, well, Denver's at home here. Do we trust Miami? I don't think a lot of people trusted Miami last week against the Chargers, and they were able to find a way. Uh, this is a team that played tough. I mean, they're starting to look – I mean, Mike, if I asked you um, that – if do you think Miami is a top five statistical defense in the NFL, would you say yes or no? Uh, just because we talk about them enough, I would probably say yes, but I think uh, the common guy would probably say no. Well, yeah, and they are. Um, they're very good defensively. They've had even some players out. Van Noy missed a game last week, I want to say. You look at it as a favorite this year. Five and one against the spread. Uh, sorry, over the last three seasons. Five and one against the spread. So they're not a favorite often. But when they're a favorite, they cover, including twice this season they've covered as a favorite. Um, Denver continues to just kind of be a perplexing team. I don't think Denver's very good defensively. I think a lot of people just assume that, you know, they have Von Miller and, and Chris Harris and all these guys from four or five years ago. But this, this group has struggled uh, defensively. They struggled over the weekend. They were just destroyed against uh, Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. I'm not necessarily buying uh, the Broncos. I'm not buying what they're selling. Flores has done a terrific job. I would lean with the Dolphins here. All right. uh, We'll do deeper on Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. Jeff Nadeau, Barstool Sports, NBA draft uh, tomorrow night. You got to lean on who's the top pick. I guess you can even bet on that because no one knows yet. Yeah, I, I would be very surprised if it wasn't Anthony Edwards, uh, the shooting guard out of Georgia. If you look at the Timberwolves and their makeup, obviously D'Angelo Russell runs point. You have Carl Anthony Towns. They need a solid off-the-ball the two-guard that has obviously a ton of, of rise and ceiling in them. I see a lot of Dwayne Wade in Edwards. Um, and from what I understand, 
character is important. You know, we've seen that bother teams. From what I understand, Edwards is a terrific, tough, hard worker. Uh, he's going to put in countless hours. He's going to really become, um, you know, any of his deficiencies is going to improve. So if you can find a bet where you can kind of talk about the top four, I would go Edwards, Wiseman, Ball, Avdija. I think I think that's the top four. All right. Uh, Sixers pick 21st, by the way. They got four picks in the second round. Uh, we will uh, have that tomorrow night on 97.3 ESPN. Just back- imperative that. Yeah, it's imperative they make the right selections, Mike. Imperative. This team has count, countlessly uh, just destroyed themselves by not picking in second rounds, late first-round pick. You've got to make the right selections. They need a shooter. They need someone they can defend. Tyrell Terry is a terrific player to Stanford. He's the best shooter in this draft, in my opinion, outside of Aaron Naismith. They need to take Tyrell Terry. They need to go out and get some solid bench players in the second round. That's where teams are made in the second round. Start making picks instead of getting rid of them. Yeah, Terry's nice. 41% from three. Combo, guard, quick release, shoots it off the catch. Yep. I like uh, I like that uh, pick by you. 21, he should be there. Uh, so we'll see. Cole Anthony's another guy who's kind of interesting. Flynn from no, San Diego. No, you don't no, like Anthony? No, no. Please no. no. No Anthony. Uh, I, From what I understand, yeah, I've done some. I've done some heavy research on Clancy. Not a great character guy. Um, I don't think he'll be there. I think Miami would, would maybe look for someone else. But yeah, I'm out on Clancy. But I'm sure they'll take him because that's who I don't want them. What? A, okay. Do you like the kid Flynn from San Diego State? I do. Malachi Flynn, great scorer. I think he's a guy that if he's there late, I would look at him if the Lakers are there. I, I think he'd fit really well there. He's just a volume scorer. I saw him absolutely destroy teams last year. The kid is just a bucket getter. Um, I would have no problem with Malachi Flynn. I'd be very happy with that. All right. I uh, can't wait for the draft tomorrow. I love NBA draft night. You're right. Getting these guys. I'm interested to see what Maury does, see if we get a little action. Uh, would you trade for Harden? Uh, in a second. All right. Of course I would trade for Harden. I think they have to trade for James Harden if, if – it, you cannot continue this charade with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I, it just isn't working. And, you know, I see my teams around the league getting better. You know, teams around the Sixers, a team like Milwaukee, who recognize they have deficiencies. This roster has a lot of deficiencies. I'm not sure why I'm the only person that seems to not understand why they're not doing anything. Go out and make some moves. Yes, go out and get James Harden. He fits here. He'd be perfect. Um, move on from Joel Embiid. I'm tired of this, the antics with the weight and the out of shape and the same antics in the playoffs. Put Ben into three or four. Let James Harden create and build around him. All right, uh, Jeff Nadeau, BarstoolSports.com. If you're in PA, get the Barstool app. Great numbers coming out on the app. It's been doing fantastic. It's been fun. Tuesdays, he's back on Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, right here on the Best of the Sports Best. Jeff, hope your move's going all right, pal. Well, Mike, it's funny because uh, things work in a wild way. I have to talk to you about that off the air. Real quick, also, follow me on Instagram. I, I started an Instagram. I, 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 I stay with Twitter a lot, but follow me at Barstool, B-M-O-C. I put some good stuff over there. Follow me. I'm trying to grow the Instagram profile, Mike, like all these young kids. <laughs> all right. We will uh, get that out there for you. Follow him there, Barstool, B-M-O-C, and come back Saturday morning have some coffee with us. Jeff, take care, man. Thanks, Mike. All right, Jeff Nadeau, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. The early lines right there. Jeff Nadeau back Saturday morning for more. Uh, the one, one thing that I the, – the one game that he talked about 
um, watch uh, Louisville, Syracuse, that game on Friday night. We have that game on 97.3 ESPN. Those two teams could be just bang, 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 score, 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 a lot of points in that game. Got to love that. Got to make that money. But he's right about the action. I love that he said that. He didn't just force feed a game just to give you a game. Those Mac games are unwatchable. No doubt. Unwatchable. And I refuse. I refuse to watch them. I'm with you. That's my Love Island time. That's your Bachelorette time. Bachelorette time. Or Hallmark movies. Last night at, I had enough of Nick Foles at 10 o'clock, and I said, I'm out. That's so funny. I, I said, it. I can't take any more of this guy. He's so bad. I am out. I want to get your take on something he said, though, about Cole Anthony, right? He said something yeah, he's about. he's out on Cole Anthony. But, but this is what he said, which concerns me a little bit. He said, I don't know. Maybe he'll go to Miami or something. They might take him. If Miami's going after him, something tells me that maybe he could play. Miami well, seems to snag those players. No, but if you listen to what he said, I don't know if it was so much that he couldn't play. It was character. It was. It was character issues. Yeah. Now, right now, at 973ESPN.com, Paul Hudrick, who's going to join us in about eight minutes from now, he has eight players that could fit the Sixers in the draft. One of the guys he has on that list is Terry, and I see Terry. McCormick has Terry. Hudrick has Terry. Terry's been a popular guy. Desmond Bain, I've seen him enough at TCU. I think he's a guy... He can really shoot it. You ever see the kid Bain play from TCU? That dude is very uh, proficient. From He's like 44% from three-point range. Anthony, I don't love Anthony either. I don't like those North Carolina guys when they I come think it's just league. a popular name that people tie to because they know where he played. That's sure. why people feel excited and about it. And he was it. a big recruit coming in, right. so he has that. Uh, the other guy that I like that Hudrick mentioned, and he's going to talk more about it, is um, the kid Tilly from Gonzaga. I like him a lot. He got hurt, and I think people have forgotten about him. Now, Flynn from San Diego State, he's another guy. That I really like that guy. If they end up getting him, but probably more second round. We'll see. You know how we had that conversation the other day about reading the paper, the sports section with the coffee? Well, this morning, went to the old Ninja Machine, made a nice cup of morning blend Starbucks coffee, sat down and electronically read Paul's article. I loved every second of it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to his coverage this year. Kevin McCormick, who does a great job. He's also got five. He ranks his five picks for the uh, the Sixers at number 21. It's so weird to be in like NBA draft mode right Guess now. Guess what? I want it. I want it right now. I need. We need a little break from this Eagles mess, this debacle. Uh, do you want to update this poll question? At 973 ESPN. If you could pick one stays, one goes, who do you trust more to fix this Eagles mess? Carson Wentz or Doug Peterson? And right now, a runaway. Carson Wentz, 70% people trust Carson to get things right. I hope you're right about that, people. Carson, 70%. Doug Peterson, 29%. Sports Best brought to you by Recovery Centers of America, Drug and Alcohol Addiction Treatment Centers in lo located in Mays Landing, New Jersey, and in Devon, PA. You know, I got my uh, flu shot today. How'd that feel? I don't even uh, didn't even reckon, realize that I got it. Okay. Atlanta Care came in, flu shot, boom, just like that. Nice. Yep. Sometimes sometimes people say they feel they get the flu once they I get know. the well, flu shot. I know. Well, she said your arm's gonna be a little sore. I haven't got that yet. Okay. Well, tonight when you're leaning on your one side and putting your hand over your eyes like you sleep, maybe you feel it then. Paul Hudrick next. We never stop talking Eagles and NFL. It's football at 4, every day at 4 p.m. on the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN.
on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, NBA draft tomorrow night. You can hear it all right here on 97.3 ESPN. Of course, the Sixers host uh, five picks in the draft, including number 21. But will they make a move beforehand? There's all sorts of moves happening. Chris Paul traded. Drew Holiday traded. For a lot of first-round picks. Yeah, see, that's the kind of deal that, uh, you know, they're going all out for Giannis, though. I mean, they got to. They don't have any other choice. What are they going to do? They can't get free agents to go there. It's the only thing they can do. You're right. I mean, you're kind of desperate when you're in a market like that to do when you have that guy. You have to do everything you can while you have that guy before he decides he doesn't want to be there anymore. Puts you in a tough spot. It does. Daryl Morey. Tough spot, good spot. We'll find out. He hasn't had a draft pick. He didn't know that he was going to have a draft pick, and then all of a sudden he comes here, and he's got all these draft picks. So we'll see if the Sixers are up to speed tomorrow night. First, Week 10 of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape, get ready for Week 11. There is no better place to get in on the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings is giving all new users the chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code 973. Don't forget about UFC 255 as well. Download the app now. Use promo code 973 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey only. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, draft tomorrow night. We're going to talk more about it now. Paul Hudrick will be covering the 76ers for 973ESPN.com. You uh, probably are familiar with his work from NBC Sports Philadelphia. He'll be on the Sixers beat. Sixers insider on air, online, and on this draft as he joins us now. On the Boardwalk Honda Hotline with a look at the Sixers rumors and draft. Paul, what's going on, man? Hey, Mike. How are you, man? All is well. It feels weird to be kind of in the draft, but I feel like we almost need it with this Eagles disaster that's going on. It kind of gets our mind off of it all. Uh, But let's start with uh, some of the stuff that's happening and get your take on the reality of James Harden being a Sixer, very real, not so real, far-fetched. Where do you think that kind of stands? Is it only because Maury's here, or is there some possibility that the Sixers could be involved there? See, I don't see it happening. So from the onset, I'll be honest, I didn't see him being moved at all because I just saw him as being – he's Houston's asset. He's a guy who put – you know, whenever they can have butts in the seats, he's a guy that puts butts in the seats. So – I never saw them moving him. Now it's looking more and more like I was wrong and that he is going to get moved. Um, but when you look at the Brooklyn Nets and, and what they kind of have to offer in a non, you know, if, if the Sixers were willing to put Ben Simmons on the table, maybe that changes things. Um, I, I don't know that they are willing to, and I don't know what else Houston would want in addition to Ben Simmons. But uh, I, I just see the Nets package without Ben Simmons as being much more attractive. And you, Again, when you look at the roster, you know, I personally think James Harden would be a much better fit in Philadelphia than he would be in Brooklyn when you look at, you know, what they already have with Kyrie Irving. And that's going to be the worst defensive backcourt in the NBA. Uh, So, you know, but I I don't see right now, it's not looking good for a potential Sixers trade. And I don't think it's necessarily because James Harden wouldn't want to come here. He might be open to it. But, yeah, it's looking more and more like he's going to be a Brooklyn net. All right, now – for the people who are like, hey, you got to give up Ben Simmons, and there seems to be a split. I can't give up on Ben yet, and or hey, Harden and Embiid would be a great pairing. Should the Sixers be willing, if it took Ben Simmons, to part with Ben Simmons to get a James Harden? You got a 31 year old guy and a 24 year old guy. For me, I, I would say yes. And I, listen, I'm one of Ben Simmons' biggest defenders in this city. I, I, I'm a huge Ben Simmons guy. I think. 
This guy is still in with him. He's 24 years old. He's already one of the best defensive players in the league to me, one of the best players in transition in the NBA. We all know the shortcomings. We don't have to go over that. But, yeah, if you're looking at that deal, if you're down more, you have to consider it. I mean, James Harden is legitimately the best offensive basketball player we've seen over the last, you know, five years at least. Uh, so to get him here with Joel Embiid and just the amount of free throws alone, those two would rack up on a nightly basis, how dangerous they'd be together. Uh, yeah, I, I would certainly say that that would be on the table for me 100%. The other thing is I don't know what else they would want because you know what would it i don't think a james harden for ben simmons swaps would get it done i think they're going to want more than that so then i guess you're looking at what would the package be how, how much would be too much but if you're looking at it on the surface like like would i be hesitant to put ben simmons in a package for james Harden? no because i think that puts you in a spot where you'd be competing for an eastern conference title immediately if you put james harden in this lineup next to joel and Looking around the East, last night there were some moves being made by Milwaukee. They now have Bogdanovich, Drew Holiday, Middleton, Giannis. How does that move the needle for you, and, and how does that compare to the Sixers, knowing that you know trades might happen with Al Horford or so? But right now, did that move the needle for you in terms of where the Bucks are? I, I mean, for me, definitely, at least for next season, because to me, uh, Drew Holiday is a – I've never been a big Bledsoe guy, I can't lie. I, I think Drew Holiday just is a much better overall basketball player one of the best defensive guards in the entire NBA, a solid outside shooter, a guy that can make some plays off the dribble, can run a pick and roll. You put him and Giannis on the same team defensively. I think Chris Middleton's actually a kind of underrated defender. He's a pretty solid defender. So, And like Brook Lopez, the way he's really turned his game into being such a dominant defensive center now, you know, that, that, from a defensive standpoint alone, I think they're going to be arguably the best team in the NBA. Um, but it's, you know, what, what, Mike, what you already alluded to, you know, the idea that this just sends more than anything a message to Giannis. Hey, we are all in. We want everything to be around you. Because that price, that's a steep price, man. Three first-round picks. I know I'm sure there's some protections involved, but that's a steep price for one year of Drew Holiday. Then again, you do own his bird rights. So if it works out and you make a deep run, you know, maybe you bring Drew Holiday back, you run it back with them. Um, Bogdanovich is another guy, a solid player, can make a play off the dribble, can run a pick and roll can run an offense, can play off the ball, so a versatile kind of guy. So, yeah, I mean, to me, the Milwaukee Bucks has positioned themselves, I think, to, again, be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Whether that's enough to put them over the top and get past, you know, the Miamis and the Bostons, we'll see. Paul, you look at um, the deal that was made for Chris Paul. Um, would you have liked to see the Sixers be involved in a deal for Paul? Yeah, uh, definitely. Chris Paul is definitely a guy. I, I, you know, the price tag is obviously high as far as his salary, what he makes, and you know, at 35 years old, what I think the Phoenix Suns could offer the Oklahoma City Thunder that Sixers couldn't was cap relief. You know, uh, you know, they're not taking back any bad contracts in in that deal for Chris Paul. So, if you're Oklahoma City and you're looking at the Sixers as a trade candidate, you're going to have to take on uh, Joel, or excuse me, at Horford or Tobias Harris. Those are big contracts for long term that really aren't going to help you, especially with what Oklahoma City is clearly looking trying to do, which is stockpile picks and get expiring contracts that they can maybe move. When you look at the Sixers, they don't have that to offer. So I just think there just wasn't a competitive enough deal the Sixers could offer that would have been better than what Phoenix was offering. When looking at ways to fix this roster, there were reports about Patty Mills, Josh Richardson. Is some is that something that interests you? 
Uh, 100%. Now, I'll be honest, I love Patty Mills. He's one of my kind of, you know, a guy I really like and really root for, and I think he's a damn good player. Uh, yeah, I mean, as a guy who can just come in, again, create his own shot, can run a pick and roll, can run an offense, can really shoot the ball. I think, you know, most last year I think he was like a little bit down, but in general he is an elite three-point shooter. Uh, the, he's kind of a lower minutes guy with, with Greg Popovich because they have so many good guards. I think he's around 25 a night or so. Uh, so depending on what they do in the draft, may, maybe that, that that goes up or down. You know, maybe he stays around 25 minutes. Maybe Doc Rivers, if he comes here, maybe he goes up a little bit. But, yeah, if you're looking at pure fit, Patty Mills is certainly a better fit in this on this team and this offense than Josh Richardson is because, again, his ability to create off the dribble, to run an offense, and to just hit outside wide-open shots, which he would have many uh, with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in there. So, yeah, I would, I would consider Patrick Mills a pretty significant upgrade for them. Uh, Paul Hudrick covers the 76ers for 97.3 ESPN.com. He will all uh, this draft season uh, tomorrow night. We'll have more on our website. He's got eight players that could fit the Sixers in the draft. We'll look at that in a second. But how realistic, Paul, in your mind, is that Al Horford or um, Tobias Harris are gone? Uh, well, draft night, I'm not so sure. But in general, I I, I think Barrymore finds a way to unload Al Horford's contract and bring back something useful. Now, when I say useful, I don't mean you know not a star or anything like that, but a guy who just fits better than what Al Horford does. Because I think if you any reasonable person could look at what you saw with the Sixers last year and just say, yeah, this Al Horford thing with Joel Embiid on the court and Ben Simmons on the court just flat out doesn't work as an as a backup five. Sure, he's solid, but a you know twenty plus million dollar backup five—that's not really a palatable situation. So I think Warren will explore avenues to move Al Horford, and then he'll find something useful in return. Tobias Harris—I I just don't think you're going to find a taker for that contract. I really don't. And on top of that, I think you know Tobias—we have to be realistic. I don't think he's ever going to live up you know to that contract. He signed a, a max player deal. He's, he's never going to live up to that. But. I think he could still have a role if you bring in other players that could fit this team. If you bring in a guy like a Patty Mills or a guy like a Buddy Heels who you know could fit the, the, the pieces better, then maybe Tobias Harris could find a role. So it, to me, if you're asking which guy's more likely, I definitely think Al Horford and I would not be surprised to see Daryl Morey find a way to move on from that deal. All right, Paul, let's go to the draft tomorrow night. They have five picks, 21 uh, in the first round, and then four picks in the second round. They're in various spots. Uh, you would imagine that they don't make all five picks, so you would think this team would be active on draft night. So if I say active, do you anticipate a move up from 21? Uh, maybe not a move up from 21. What, what I think would be more likely is they take a player at 21, and then maybe they leverage 36 and 34 to get themselves back into the first round. Because the other thing you have to look at with the Sixers is they are cap-strapped. They are going to be most likely um, a, a team that's in the luxury tax. So a first-round contract, you're looking at a guy who's going to be low money, and he's basically guaranteed to be here for four years because he gets two years and then two option years. So if you can get two guys who, you know, a guy at 21 and maybe a guy, let's say, you know, late 20s or at 30, that's two guys you now have that are cheap and cost-controlled and young. And the Sixers need all of the young, cheap, cross-control kind of guys they can get. So, to me, that, that would make the most sense. As a guy at 21, then maybe leveraging those picks at 34, 36 to move back into the back end of the first round. So, at pick 21, who would excite you the most? 
It's a tough call. So if if Cole Anthony, it's a guy that we've seen, or, or you know, the draft buzz is that he's falling. Um, he had he had a tough year at North Carolina, but this is a guy who was this ESPN had as the second best player coming out of high school, and now we're talking about him possibly being you know falling into the twenties of the NBA draft. Look, the supporting cast North Carolina wasn't very good, flat out. That's the way you got to look at it. He didn't have much space to operate. You know, he had a knee injury, a meniscus injury that he had to have repaired. So when you factor in all of that, I still think the talent is there for him to be, again, a guy that the Sixers need, a shot creator, a guy who's, you know, a microwave scorer off the bench. I think he can fill that role. Now, if he's not there, two guys I really like the most, and I mentioned in that article are, Tyrell Terry from Stanford and Desmond Bain from TCU. To me, Desmond Bain is like the safest pick because at worst, I think this guy is going to be able to hit threes and he's going to be able to play serviceable defense. So if that's the worst thing you're getting, that still fits a pretty good, uh, checks a couple pretty big boxes for the Sixers. With Terry, the knock is going to be his size, a little undersized. I think he played at 6'1", 160 at Stanford, but man, he could really shoot the basketball has some combo guard ability, that guy that I think, again, could mesh really well with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Uh, so th- those are the kinds of three guys that I have my eye on. Of course, there are plenty of other guys, but to me, if Cole Anthony falls to 21, I'm pulling the trigger. All right, so if you're at 21, a lot of times in a deep draft, uh, I don't know what you would uh, define this draft as, but a lot of times the casual fan will say, I'm drafting 20. Uh, is that guy really helping? Can they get a guy that will actually help them right away picking where they are? Yeah, again, I think Desmond Bain is the guy at 21 that if you take him, I think he has the best chance to help you right away because he was a four-year player, ton of experience, shot over 43% from three during his career. So he's got that ability. And again, he's built solidly. If you see this guy, he's built like a tank. Uh, so he's going to be able to withstand NBA punishment. He's got an NBA body already. Uh, and the knocks are going to be his his length. You know, he's got a negative wingspan at six six. Um, he, he's not necessarily a shot creator, although he did flash a little potential of being able to maybe run the pick and roll his senior year at TCU. So, it, it, of all the guys, I think that that could be available at twenty one. I think Payne is the guy who you plug him in, he plays right away. Uh, some might say that twenty one might be a little too early for Payne. I've seen some projections that have him going in the second round, but. If he's the guy you take at 21, I think he's he's got the best shot of being in Doc Rivers' rotation from day one. All right. Uh, they got all those picks in the second round. We do anticipate, I would imagine, some movement there. But are there a couple of guys in that second round, especially with those two higher picks, that you would be intrigued by if they were kind of still hanging around there? Yeah, so I've already seen that the, the Isaiah Joe rumors out there that supposedly the Sixers have already promised them. If, if that's a pick 21, that's, that's – to me, a terrible decision, but at 34 or 36, yeah, I see him, uh, a guard from Arkansas, can, can really, really shoot it. Uh, I mentioned him in the article as well. I, I see a guy who could be uh, sort of like a version of Furkan Korkmaz that might have a better shot at, at sticking with NBA wings defensively. Uh, not afraid to shoot the ball. I think he took nine threes a game last year, so that'd be a guy I definitely would have my eye on. And I, I think one area that people kind of overlook, because clearly this team needs guards, they, they need you know smaller players, but they don't really have any developmental bigs behind Joel Embiid. Uh, you know, Norvell Pell, people don't realize, you know, he's a rookie this year, but he's, he's actually older than Joel Embiid. So they don't have kind of that guy in their pipeline that could serve as a Joel Embiid backup. So I look at Xavier Tillman from Michigan State was the uh, you know, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, versatile guy, uh, 
has improved his shot and, and has a pretty good feel for the game. I think he averaged three assists per game as a big man. That's pretty solid numbers. So I think uh, as just a solid NBA big with some defensive versatility, Xavier Tillman's a guy that interests me. Another guy that seems to be kind of falling under the radar. Some people view him as kind of a middle second round guy, but I, I would have him in play at 36 is Paul Reed from DePaul. Uh, really, really good defensive, versatile player, 6'9", long, uh, had like two, over two and a half blocks a game and over one and a half steals per game last year, has some potential offensively. Uh, you know, the shot's a little funky, but it, it goes in a lot of times. It's really good touch around the rim. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like Neural's Noel if he had a little more offensive potential. So those are the guys that kind of look at it if you're looking at big men. And you're, you're going to have other guard opportunities. Cassius Winston from Michigan State is a hard-nosed guy who shoots the ball well. Uh, uh, Devon Dotson from Kansas is another guy who, again, shot creator, maybe not as good as a shooter but maybe has some potential. So those are a few of the guys I'm looking at in that 34-36 range. All right, for more from Paul, go to 973ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Hudrick. And the NBA draft is tomorrow night right here on 973ESPN. We'll have Paul back uh, on Tuesday, uh, Thursday to kind of recap it all and see if Daryl Morey made some magic on Wednesday night. Should be fun to watch. Five picks in all. Paul, we appreciate it, man. Of course, Mike. Looking forward to the rest of the season, man. Absolutely. Paul Hudrick, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. You'll get great uh, Sixers coverage from Paul Hudrick, Kevin McCormick, and the guys over at 973ESPN.com. We will have the Sixers covered like no one else. Paul does a great job. Great sources, great insight. And uh, his draft stuff, I, I really like what he mentioned in that second round. The kid Joe from Arkansas, nine threes a game. You know, your eyes lit up when he said uh, – he could be like a uh, Furkan Korkmaz. You talk about it as a shooter, not as a defender. Right. Big difference. Big yeah. difference. But that was refreshing. I know the Sixers are frustrating as hell, right? We've been put through hell with that team. But it was still nice to break up from what the Eagles debacle has been giving us. I mean, we got to talk some Sixers. Feels like the Sixers, um, you know, are kind of under the radar because of the fact that they're not that high in the draft for the first time in a while. Like even last year with Matisse Stiebel, it was like the first time they were kind of out of that lottery area. So it's like they don't have this, like, huge um, – the anticipation. Like, last year, the anticipation for the season was so big. I don't feel like it's the, right there. Maybe it's because of the pandemic and stuff. Yeah, maybe. But they've done a good job. Landry Shamit, Matisse Stiebel, they've done a good job in this range of finding a nice piece. All right, we got plenty more to go. John Clayton, Andrew DeCecco, Tuesday with Thompson. Who's in? Who's out? It's all still to come. The 2020 NBA Draft. This is as wide open as a draft we've seen in recent memory. There's been a lot of talk with this draft. All right, we got football at four coming up in about seven minutes from now with uh, Andrew DeCecco, a DeCecco NFL. The uh, defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz spoke today. He said uh, it was an embarrassing effort, especially the Daniel Jones play, where he said, you know, last time we never saw that formation before, so they kind of caught us. This time, just an embarrassing effort. That's what he said today. I'm not surprised to hear that. It was embarrassing. It was the same thing, and he barely got touched. I saw the replays today all over the place. ESPN, Sports Center. he barely got touched. He should have had two touchdowns, but Thomas had a holding on Josh Sweat. And that pulled that one back. Could have had two touchdowns. That's right. He did. He ran the same play twice and scored both times other than the hold there. Now, we got to update this poll question because a lot of people go with Dougie P. People are down on Dougie P. Who would you vote out? 
One stays, one goes. Peterson or Wentz? Right now, most people going, Wentz stays, Peterson goes, 70-30. Here's my thing. I don't even know if if I believe in Carson Wentz to be able to pull this team out of it with a new head coach. I just think, ultimately, it's harder to find a quarterback than it is a head coach. That's all I think. I think just based off of which one's easier to replace, I think it's easier to replace a head coach than it is a quarterback because it's that hard to find one that you can really you you know, know, I get used something to, out of. I used to think, you know, look, when the Eagles, I didn't love the deal to get Wentz. You know, they traded all this. I was like, people are trading for like this ghost that doesn't exist, like this franchise quarterback. There's only so many of them out there. But I feel like in the last couple of years, you're getting better quarterback play you're, because the league is evolving a little bit more. And that is like to a point where there's just the rules. The numbers are inflating because it's well, a passing rule, league. But, yeah, because the rules are favoring the quarterback so the numbers look so much better except for our guy. His numbers are going down when the rules are saying they should be going up.